Welcome in to episode three of the Countdown Podcast. Accountability, ladies and gentlemen, is a lost cause when we look at SEC officiating. I'm your host, Riley Hudson, joined today and always by Brady Fitzgerald. How you doing today, Riley? I'm doing pretty good. I'd like to start off this uh, episode by talking about SEC officiating, and we'll kick it off by just, I'm going to ask you about your thoughts about the Vanderbilt game. So yeah, Tuesday on Valentine's Day, you know, the Gamecocks went on went at home versus Vanderbilt. And the first half was was really was really something that we haven't seen in a long time. We've always seen bad refs specifically to the as we seem to the Carolina Gamecocks. That could be fandom, that could be um, the truth behind it, but it does seem like there's always a little a, a little bias towards the other team when playing against the Gamecocks. But the staggering stat is that in the first half, uh, Vanderbilt played apparently perfect basketball. 20 minutes of perfect basketball. And it, it wouldn't be so frustrating to fans if it wasn't for Hayden Brown and Michi Johnson getting hurt uh, there towards the end of the first half. Yep. Uh, Michi Johnson, what, what seemed to be, got hurt on what seemed to be an illegal screen. Mm-hmm. And Hayden Brown going in, uh, driving in and... I get I, the only the only reason that I can think of that it wouldn't be a foul is that maybe he landed on his uh, ankle wrong, but from what I saw, it seemed to be a foul. It seemed like he hit him in the face too, which uh, seems like that is. I mean, if you look at the the Mizzou game a couple weeks ago that we lost when Michi Johnson went for the ball and it was a clear going for the ball, uh, hits hits the other player. I think it was uh, someone Brown, maybe Kobe Brown. On Vander or on Mizzou, and that was a that was called a flagrant foul against us. So for that to be not even a common foul when you could see him on the ground and uh, writhing in pain and holding his face, there had to have been some. There's no way that there wasn't some sort of foul there. No, I agree, and it's it's especially being there in the front row. It is difficult to watch your players go through so much pain and there be no outcome um you know we we rarely hold back on the officials whenever we're sitting in the front of the cockpit but uh and tuesday night was no different but it's it's just frustrating that there's just no accountability uh for the for these referees and officials because now like they they called a terrible first half. Now, the second half was a lot better, and we'll get into that. But they called a terrible first half, but they they can just move on, and there's going to be no repercussions for uh, doing your job or performing at your job subpar is the easiest way to say that. Yeah, and it's also – we've seen these guys before. These clowns have been coming in multiple times, and we the, the fans, they – they at one point one of the refs, um, it, it, instead of watching the game where there was a foul call that uh, a different referee called out, he he wanted to call it no no foul because instead of looking at the game, he's over responding to one of the fans in the cockpit. Yeah, that is something that I'm I'm glad you brought up. Um, towards uh, especially, uh, let me just start off with the first one of the first possessions of the game. Clear traveling by one of the uh, Vanderbilt players. And whenever we see traveling and it's not called, it's difficult not to let these officials know. And we're, we're all yelling at the, back of this, uh, at the back of this official's head that it was a traveling call. And he turns around and looks at particularly me and Brady and just stares us down like he's intimidating us or something. Yeah, like he's a tough guy. Yeah, and what the most frustrating... Part of the game for me, what I and I knew that this was gonna just—I don't even know how to explain how frustrated I was—that he went down to the other side of the court and called a traveling violation on Carolina. Yep. Now I wasn't watching it very closely. I'd like to go back and watch the replay, but it didn't seem like it was a very obvious traveling call. And definitely wasn't as obvious as the one that we were all just yelling about. Yeah, and I mean I, I don't like to say it. But that just seems like you're you're getting these officials are getting too caught up in the power that they have, mm-hmm. and they it's like he was trying to prove to us that he was in charge 
and that yeah, like, he and doesn't we have to, supposed to st- yeah like yeah. he doesn't have to basically that the fans they don't know what they're talking about they they shouldn't be complaining about these calls and uh basically hey if you want to to us pardon my french uh we're just going to give you we're just going to give you bad calls and worse calls for your basketball team which is not fair to the players out there and it it's a complete abuse of power no i agree yeah, there was, in talking about the official being too worried about the fans, there was probably three or four instances where he was, uh, and, like, I wish I could give you his name, but that's part of the reason that there's no accountability for these officials is that their names are kept secret. And I understand that. They don't want to be subject to abuse. But it's, I don't know, man. It's 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 hard to put into words how helpless you feel whenever – you know that it's such a bad call or bad no call, and all you can do is just let them know about it. And whenever they turn around and stare you down, there was one point where there were some guys to our left yelling at uh, this the same official, and uh, the official went to give or he was giving the ball out on the free throws, and instead of you know, letting the players and making sure all the players are set, letting them know how many free throws he's got, whether it was a one and one or uh, or two. He's looking over into uh, the student section, just eyeing this guy down, and it's just almost childish at that point. Yeah, and let's let's not get past the the part where that that same guy he. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna say his comment verbatim because I thought it was pretty funny. He said, "This will don't worry. This will be the last six minutes of an SEC game you will ever referee," which sadly is not the truth, but it should be the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy decides to turn around and look at look at the fan and say, well, "Do you want this to be the last six minutes of the game that you're gonna watch, or yeah. your last time in Colonial Life Arena?" Like, is that what you're thinking about right now, man? You should be thinking about the 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 calls that you actually are calling the calls that maybe you missed, and what is actually going on in the court right now. That was the exact moment where he missed a foul call and another ref had to pick up the slack for him. And as you started out saying, accountability is really what I want to see. We've been seeing the same refs for the past three years, and every time they they don't respect the fans. And, and yeah, you could say respect goes both ways, but this is a ref we're talking about. You're supposed to be, like... You know the fans are going to yell at you no matter what. Yeah, this, unless this is your first game. Yeah, is this your first time ever refing anything? Yeah. Like, parents in a Little League game will yell at the ref. Mm-hmm. So you expect college kids who are getting actively screwed over by these officials not to not to say something about it? Yeah, and I don't know. It, I, w- I wish I had more to say on it, but like I said, it's just you feel helpless. But... uh Little, little. the The officiating got a lot better in the second half, and so did the Gamecocks play. And the uh, leading scorer of uh, Tuesday night's matchup against Vanderbilt was uh, Michi Johnson, with 19 points. He was on. He was hitting threes, along with Chico Carter, who uh, let's see, ended up with ended 15. Up with 15. Yep. Yeah, and they they were both on. It seemed like, but. Uh, one of the big storylines, other than officiating, was uh, once again we talked about him last week, Gigi Jackson. Yeah, and this is such, this is becoming such a sad story for Gamecock Nation because, uh, I mean, as he said on his IG live a couple weeks ago after the Arkansas loss, that he was supposed to be the guy to come in here and fix this program and help this program. And not fix it, you know, Lamont's Paris' first season, but excel Lamont's Paris' first season into something of something of worth instead of just something of rebuilding. And it hasn't been that way. Uh, we watched last night, he played 15 minutes against Vanderbilt, and in the, the team huddles, he was standing on his side, he was, wasn't in the team huddle, he was sitting on the bench for one of them literally the whole time, Um and on the bench, his presence, I mean, he's, he's picking at his fingernails. He's not clapping when our team is hitting threes. He's not getting excited whenever we're making stops on defense. And then for the 15 minutes, he's out there lollygagging around, jogging it off, and just chucking up threes. He went 0 for 6. He hit one field goal and ended with two points. And 
you know, you could cry that the system is not all through you, but when Lamont gives you these minutes, I expect to see some goddamn effort. Yeah. And it, it, everybody in the you know, around us, at least, was noticing that Gigi was, uh, you know, sitting on the bench during uh, during timeouts and. Uh, also in the uh, in the game, you know, he was doing his regular old G.G. Jackson thing. Was sitting in the corner, pouting. And if you were Lamont Paris, what would you do? If I was Lamont, I'd tell him to get his act right, or else he's not playing any minutes. Because when he's out there, he's as useless as as anyone else on the bench who hasn't played. I'd like to see Eli play over him or Benson. Because at least when I know they're going to be out there, they're going to put in some effort. We, I, I saw GGB lackadaisy on defense. He, on offense, he was standing in the corner until he saw that the play broke down, then jogged up to the top of the key, got the ball, and chucked up a three. That was, that was how he played this game. And if, I, if I'm Lamont then I see this effort, I say, until you show some real effort, just go home. Yeah. If you don't want to be here, go home. No, I I like what you said there, but at the same time, I it does get me or make me worried that other if you're trying to land five star players like G.D. Jackson, that they're watching this and they're watching such a talented player, maybe just wasting his career here because you know he's not getting what he wants. So it, it has to be difficult for Lamont Paris to see that. He's not changing, and he's uh, the, that he's kind of forcing Lamont Paris's hand to just not let him play at all, because it it I've never seen at, at least the players that I've paid attention to I've never seen an athlete act so poorly in any per any league, whether that's Ever. college, high school, middle school, NBA, any or any sport whatsoever. Like I, you know, you've seen bad attitudes. But it's it's not a good look for his character, and he apologized on Twitter saying that it wasn't a reflection of his character on Instagram Live. But how are we supposed to believe that whenever you continue to do these things, continue to make it seem like it's you or nothing whenever it comes to the South Carolina team? And we thought we saw a change not after after the Instagram Live, but we're just right back to square one. And these are these are winnable games for the Gamecocks. So when he's out there, he, he should want like this should be his time. Like that's what I don't understand is that you're you get the limited role. Sure, you're mad about it, but you should use that anger to build off of it. You should use that anger to try to want to be a starter again. When he's out there, he's giving Lamont Paris no reason to give him more minutes. He's giving Lamont Paris no reason to start him ever again. Mm-hmm. And it just the the attitude out there and what you said the character which I liked you said is has not changed at all. And do you, do you think and and you pay attention to the NBA more than I do? Do you think NBA scouts or teams are going to see that and maybe it's going to lower his draft stock a little bit? So or that, a lot of it. That's a that's a great great question. The when I see still when I still see mock drafts he's still he's not gonna he's he's coming off the lottery which is the top fourteen picks, um and he's he's fallen into like the sixteenth pick seventeenth pick but he's still a first round pick still mm-hmm. top twenty pick in most of the mock drafts that I've seen, and so what that's telling me is that either these guys who are doing the mock drafts have not watched South Carolina, or they just see the raw talent that comes with Gigi Jackson. And thinks that in a better situation where he's not the star, like if he gets drafted, you know, 15th or 17th, he's on a almost playoff team. And he's going to have to learn his role way quicker than he did here because here he can look around and, t- and he, can, he can tell these guys if he wanted to, hey, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. But when he gets to the NBA level, that will never happen. And maybe that's what he's waiting on. He's waiting to get into – an NBA team, and maybe it's all going to change. Maybe he's going to be a great teammate, uh, a great player to coach, going to be open to all kinds of criticism. But that would just make me even more frustrated with Gigi because that would that would mean that he doesn't respect South Carolina as a program. 
No, and that's what it looks like on the court to me. It yeah. looks like he is actively, actively quitting on the team. And that breaks my heart as a fan. It as really a, does. As a guy who wanted Gigi Jackson desperately, desperately to come to South Carolina, even before the whole reclassment stuff and when he was the number one recruit next year, I, I wanted him so badly to come here. And just to see this attitude is, is heartbreaking. Yeah, and you just want to see you – know, we, we gave him all the love, all the support, all the hype, and he just did not accept that humbly. But – I want to read a, a little scouting report. It's on a different player, but oh, – I like this. Uh, I wanted to see if it, if it reminisced with anyone that we've just been talking about. Uh, Blank's lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who know him best says he needs, to, needs things to revolve around him on and off the court and he's often been closed-minded to coaching or instruction that was for mr ben simmons out of lsu and it, you could easily easily replace simmons's last name with jackson and i don't know how he is off the court i'm not going to put anything like that but on the court i can see how he needs things to revolve around him we saw it with the instagram live that's exactly what he said basically, that he wants things to revolve around him. And close-minded to coaching and instructions, he's not taking this benching well at all. He's not taking instructions of, hey, play team basketball at all. So the, he's fallen into a slippery slope that a lot of these these five-star guys that are the number one in their you know class uh, sometimes tend to get into, which is very sad. Yeah. It... I don't know. It's 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 just tough to watch. But one one other thing that we're gonna take out of this game, and before we move on, is how Lamont Paris is sending in players in and out. What what whenever we first started to notice this was we're in, me and Brady both are big Josh Gray fans. We didn't expect him to have such a great season this year. Um, but he's turned into, honestly, the most reliable player on the court. In my opinion, game to game, he's putting up numbers. It's not the same numbers uh, for the reason that we're about to talk about. He's getting taken out in the worst situations, and not only that, they're, they're, the, these rotations are so confusing to us. Um, Brady, you got anything to say? Yeah, and I wanted to start off with uh, with Josh Gray that – the the reason why we've grown so such a fond relationship with him is that we've seen him put in the effort, and we've seen him. It's the opposite of what we were just talking about with Gigi. Is we he dove for a a, a loose ball yesterday, and we were down by I think eighteen, and he dove for that loose ball, and he got a standing ovation mm-hmm. from everyone in the cloud, crowd. But uh, with the rotations. Yeah, you'll see Josh Gray will start the game just like he did in uh, this, like, like he did on Tuesday. Then two minutes in the game, there's one timeout. He maybe gets one foul, and boom, he's sitting on the bench, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense. And uh, he does this for a lot of players. Um, if you want to go on Josh for a little bit, uh, go ahead. But I'm going to move on to, to Hank and Stanford. No, go ahead. This game. Uh, we talked about Hank and Stanford. We talked about him hopefully getting a little more minutes. He had five minutes this game and had the second most – or sorry, the third most points on the team. Now, why is that guy getting five minutes? We I remember when they subbed him out, I was like, he's one of the only guys who's been going to the rim. He, uh, he was shooting some threes that didn't go in, but he was one for one on free throws. And he was actually driving and making stuff happen and – uh, it was another baffled rotation in my mind. Yeah, and it just goes to prove that this team has has talent and it has it has talent on the bench, and that makes you want to sub players in and out. But there, it just seems like it's at the most inconvenient times. Yesterday, uh, the the leading scorer for Vanderbilt, uh, Liam Robbins, uh, center, got twenty four points in thirty minutes, eight rebounds. He's a he's a tall dude, seven foot, I believe, seven foot or bigger. Um, Talented, I think he was three for three or three for four from deep, but um, he he was he was a problem down low, especially on offensive rebounds, and we had been seeing that all game, 
And it makes you think if Lamont was seeing that as well because Liam Robbins gets checked in and Josh Gray gets subbed out after Josh Gray's only been in there for two minutes. And we're, we're fortunate enough to be close with, uh, with Josh Gray's girlfriend. And we were talking to her about, like, is, is, does he just get gassed really quick? Or, you know, it, or does Lamont Pierce just have no confidence in him? And she said that he's frustrated himself. And I'm not using this as a quote, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not exactly uh, a, a, an interview. It's not a perfect quote, but he he's frustrated that he's getting taken out whenever it's whenever he's playing so well. And it's for, and further evidence just besides the uh, the the talking to the girlfriend, but yeah. uh, the further evidence is later in the game uh, when Mr. Liam, what was it, Robbins? Yep. Liam Robbins is out there. We have, for some reason, we have Hayden Brown on him. And we did that for a lot of minutes in the game, which didn't make a lot of sense. But uh, I just scream out, hey, we need rebounds. Put in Josh Gray. And he's on the bench. Gives me a little little, little handshake, like a nod. Like, yeah, let's go. I want to play. And showing with that frustration from, or quote-unquote frustration, is that he doesn't he doesn't show it which is nice. He doesn't show it. He just goes out there. He does what he needs to do because mm-hmm. they, when you compare that and Gigi Jackson, what we just talked about, this is a guy who's been on at least two SEC teams now because he was on LSU. I'm not sure if he had a school before that. But he wants to make uh, make a home here. and he want, I mean, this is his second year here. He wants to play another year. He wants to see where this team can take him specifically. And that's why he's playing you know, team basketball. That's why he he just takes the punches if Lamont benches him for some reason and just sits on the bench, smiles, and then when he gets checked back in, he's putting just as much effort as he does every other time. Uh, let's let's talk about the small ball that for some mm-hmm. reason Lamont loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this only started like almost halfway through the season, and it, it, mm-hmm. if anything, just like late in January almost. Yeah, it was like it seemed like it was right before the Arkansas game. That they started using this small ball lineup. Um, you you want to take take control? Yeah, the starters for this uh, Vanderbilt game was uh, Jacoby Wright, Michi Johnson, Chico Carter, uh, Josh Gray, and Hayden Brown. Josh Gray, Hayden Brown, uh, Josh Gray obviously center. Hayden Brown, a, a bigger forward. He's not he doesn't have as much height, but he's a big guy. He's a physical guy. But you also have three guards and Chico Carter, Michi, and Jacoby Wright. And in my mind, I. I I like the lineup, I I do, um, but whenever you only have one center in, in Josh Gray, um, we do have others on the bench. I guess you could consider Verdonk a, a a center. They use him at center. Yeah, but it's I don't know. It, it's it's it the subbing in and out the guys that don't really. Doesn't seem like they work well together. There's not really a second string. That's just, I don't know. It's confusing on my part. I don't know basketball all that well, but I assume that that Lamont Paris does, and that he's doing what's best for the team. But it's just so inconsistent with what I see other teams playing with. Yeah, and it's it, what I what baffles me is that there's no. It seems like he's just kind of figuring out on the fly. Like, hey, Zach Davis. You're in now, uh, and you're also going to be playing power forward for some reason. Yeah. And uh, they have plenty of times where Gigi Jackson is our center. Um, he, I mean, he can, he's tall. I guess he's tall enough to be a pseudo center, but the the way he's built and the way he plays is so much better as a forward. And uh, but like Verdonk, as we mentioned, is is barely even a center. So we have a lot of interesting lineups where we we run these smaller guys and. We run them at the – it's not even just the lineups itself. It's the, the timing of the lineups. Yeah. It's like we cut it into a 10-point game, and all of a sudden we just take out the lineup that's been – that cut us down to a 10-point game. Mm-hmm. Or we'll take out one player that has been hot that's taken us down to a 10-possession game or 10-point mm-hmm. game. Uh, so it is really weird. I want to look at the old Miss uh, stat line. Yeah, so there was no, there was no Hankins – uh, Hank and Stanford playing against with our win against Old Miss. Let's 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 you know clap yeah. it up. Yeah, we got a win yeah. against Old Miss. Second uh, SEC win. Yep, yep. With uh, 
with high scores from Jacoby Wright, which was nice. Miji Johnson, as always, and Hayden Brown. Um, that game, another Gigi Jackson stinker. If I were going to – I don't want to talk keep, keep talking too much about it, but we got. I, I wanted to mention it. Yeah. But that in that game, you see Hayden Brown, Jacoby, Michi, and Chico all playing 30-plus minutes. Uh, which is which is similar, I guess, to the Vanderbilt game, but mm-hmm. there wasn't as much. There was more coherence. There was more redonk. There was more Zachary Davis, which I don't know why that guy doesn't shoot ever. But Zachary Davis, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, we talked about that a little bit in episode two. Um, it, it seemed like early in the season, uh, Zachary Davis would get the ball and he would shoot it almost immediately. He did play really well this game in, in against Vanderbilt. Uh, it may not show. All that well in the points column or in the stat line altogether. Yeah, a nice but, block and a nice steal. That really helped us. Yeah, he just played r- really – he was making good passes. He was playing great on defense. I, it, it, you see a lot of talent in him, um, whether that whether that's on the uh, stat line or not. But one thing I wanted to point out uh, as we're talking about how many players are getting minutes, uh, the subbing in and out. Miji Johnson seems to be playing almost the whole game, almost every game. Yeah, but you've got you've got guys that are. I don't you know, you don't want to say more talented, but you've got guys that are playing well that night, that are coming in to give Michi Johnson a breather, who's has you know two points in the in midway through the second half. Then you've got you you've got Jacoby Wright to come in there. He he dishes out two assists and puts up three points. And then he's done for the night. Michi Johnson's back in. And I'm no Michi Johnson hater. I love the guy, and I don't think you. I don't think I think you like him as well. Yeah, I do. Um, but he's just a baller. Yeah, it, but if you're gonna move guys around so consistently, I, why why not do it with? Why not fill out how the game's going? It, it seems like they're he's doing the same thing every night. Like it's just something that's coming to me right now. That you know he's subbing out the same guys for the same guys, and he's he's doing it at the at the same times, no matter what is going on in yeah. the game. Who's playing? Yeah, it's well. like almost like he has a, a time card. Yeah, it's like oh, we got three minutes left in the half. Uh, gotta sub out him for him right yeah. now. But you got any more? You got anything else? Not really. I we were talking about the refs earlier. Uh, we could talk about for some reason the the war on Josh Gray and the war on Hayden Brown. They hate those dudes. They absolutely hate those dudes. They, I mean, they stand under the rim with their hands up 50% of their foul calls. Hayden yeah. Brown got fouled out again in Vanderbilt, and he, he's fouled out in probably eight games this season. Yeah, and that's something we didn't even talk about with uh, officiating was uh, the leading scorer for Vanderbilt that we were just talking about, Liam, Ro- Liam Robbins. He was almost on every single rebound. He was getting a lot of rebounds. He's a, he's a tough player. Um, he's. It doesn't seem like he's very offensive minded. Whenever it comes to playing the center position, I, I'd say he he'd can be, shoot for some reason. Yeah, he like I said, he was he was three for three, three <laughs> for four from three. Shoot. Yeah, three for three. And, but he was he's he's a menace on the offensive boards and just rebounds in general. And all of Vanderbilt was. Yeah, That's, they were. That they, was one thing that killed us this game. Is that. They and you you mentioned it many times in the games that they chucked up, uh, they chucked up threes every possession. It and the only time that they took a layup was when they got their offensive board and immediately got the layup. Yeah, that was the only times they ever took layups. And they were they were doing a very good job at crashing the boards, following mm-hmm. their shots. They, you know there was uh, just something that comes to mind right off the top of my head uh, was a shot in the corner uh, from Chico Carter. He he left it short. Comes right back to him, and he's you know still standing there with his hand up in the air, and but it just on his heels, and the ball's like two steps ahead of him, but he can't get to it in time because I there's just, there's it, it's just the fundamental things that if we could fix it, it, it seems like this team would have three or four more wins than they should. And, and speaking of wins, Vanderbilt this game was a winnable game mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, you know, they throughout the game too. Even when they 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 brought it as they always do, they brought it back within ten, yeah. late in the second quarter or second half, and 
They just couldn't get it done at the end. I mean, they 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 dig themselves in such a deep hole. We were down what seventeen to two, like early in the first, mm-hmm. and. When you get these holes and you're spending all the first half and the whole beginning of the second half d- digging up these holes, that like we gotta just start off hot. Yeah. And if we could do that, this t- and crash the boards as we just said, uh, there would be be a lot more wins on this schedule. Yeah, there's got to be someone else down there other than Josh Gray, and it seems like all the guards are either. In- it doesn't seem like anybody's very hungry to get those rebounds. No, it it's was, Hayden. It's Hayden and it's Josh. Yeah, and it was almost fun. Like it wasn't fun watching Vanderbilt score so many points, but it was fun to watch them. Just I was in awe. Be, be so hungry yeah. for a rebound. Mm-hmm. They were all going after it, but I, I didn't get really really get to finish my point because I got sidetracked there. Um, Liam Robbins was jumping all over these guys' oh, yeah. backs, getting these rebounds, especially in the first half. It, it kind of calmed down in the second half. But he didn't play as much in the second half. But he was, it was just clear over the back fouls, and it's almost like just because he's so tall, they didn't call it. But I, I'm saying, like, he, he's like reaching over Josh Gray and Hayden Brown, and literally almost to the point where they're getting knocked over mm-hmm. to get a rebound, and they, he just comes away with it, and there's no call. And I, I don't want to get back into officiating because my. Mine just goes a million miles an hour for absolutely no reason. But uh, you got anything else on the men's team? Yeah, I just want to just some jarring, jarring stats from Vanderbilt. Uh, Their second chance points, 22. Mm. Uh, Their points in the paint, 22. So that means they literally did not score a point that wasn't a second chance shot in the paint. Unless... You know, maybe there was a three in here or so. But yeah. most of them came from getting the board, crashing the board, and immediately putting it up. Yeah. Uh, both teams didn't really have a bench in this game, which I found interesting because I thought we actually scored more bench points than they did, which I, I found surprising. Because but, we sub in and out so much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and we had more points off the turnover. We had, uh, we had more fast break points. And the, the when you look at that, that means... Those second chance points, they beat us. They doubled our second chance points, and and I'm just looking at the first half. Just I forgot that we ended the first half down by 20 and only scoring 18 points. Yeah, they. It was talk about like, a hole. Like I said, it was a very winnable game, and even I, as much as we were bashing these officials uh, earlier in the episode, it 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 still seems kind of petty to me to to blame it on the uh, the officials no, because they, they're. They can't. Just like we were talking about, you can crash the boards, you can uh, you t- take better shots. Like There's just fundamental things that could have made this game a lot more winnable uh, whenever you're looking whenever you're looking towards the end of the game, whenever we were down by eight, instead of being down by eight, maybe it's tied. Yeah. And, you know, you take away four of those uh, second-chance points just from everybody crashing the board, going after the rebounds. Um yeah, it's 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 something that I I am confident that they're gonna get together. It's it's not like Lamont Paris does not see this. You know, he's yeah he knows basketball better than we do, mm-hmm. and he's gonna get. And it he's figured also out. he watches the film. He he he's, he watches. We just watch it in person and then come on these mics and talk about it. But yeah. he uh, he sees it through a, a and a not not through a fan's view too. So hopefully you're right. and He sees all this, and hopefully they're they're building towards it. I still again. As we said every time that we talk about the men's team, still have faith. It just is a uh, daunting process this year. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in uh, Lamont Paris that so he's gonna he's gonna get this team in the right direction. Just just like we we've, we've been saying for you know ever since November. Yeah. Hey, hey, you just gotta give him time. But uh, speaking about a team that doesn't need time, the women's, women's basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, this might be a pretty short segment because, you know, things just keep rolling for the Lady – or they're not uh, Lady Gamecocks, right? They're just Gamecocks. Yeah, just the Gamecocks, baby. Yep, and uh, they they kept everything rolling. Um, they played Auburn, I believe, before LSU. But who cares about Auburn? We're here to talk about the only other, under, uh, only other undefeated at the time women's basketball team and basketball team in general because there's no under, undefeated teams in the men's, men's uh, league. But they they get the win, um, convincingly. 
I'm trying to find the uh, 88 to 64. Brady, did you get to watch the game? I watched the highlights. I sadly did not get to watch the game because it was I was pre- prepping for for Super Bowl Sunday. I should, you know, we should have gone to this one. I really feel feel ashamed that we didn't get to go to this one. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to work, but I did. I, I got to listen to it. Oh, okay, that's nice. Uh, they, I mean, talk about like they 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 cooked them throughout the whole way. They're up by nine in the first quarter, and they just kept this lead the whole time. The what I want to talk about is uh, Kim Mulkey, the the coach for LSU. Yeah. After afterwards, she uh, she comes on the the post game interview and she says what we've been saying. And the nation has been saying for a long time now is that it, she she used the hand motions that Riley's going to be able to see, but, you know, this is a podcast, that South Carolina is up here and then there's everybody else. Yeah. And that's how it felt after this game. I mean, to, to go against, you know, this is supposed to be a nail biter. This is supposed to be the guys who give them trouble. This is supposed to be maybe the team who upsets them. And it just wasn't. And it wasn't really close. No, and it, it was the most fun part for me was getting to see Colonial Life Arena sold out other than for a concert. And these, this women's team, they do it consistently, and they're going to continue to do it uh, even, you know, even if they lose some of their, some of their great players from this year. Mm-hmm. And that, let's talk about that real quick because Colonial Life has been, we've, as, as men, as prominent, prominently the, uh, the men's fans that we go every, every game, uh, that when we go, when we went on Tuesday, that shit was empty. Yeah. Like, if, if you look at the percentages, I'm sure it says it uh, and at some website, like what the percentage of seats sold. It might have been like 20% because yeah. there was nobody there. And to see uh, the, the women's team get get all these fans, and deservingly so, of course, because they're undefeated, they're the best, and they have been for a long time. Uh, but to see that atmosphere, and that it's actually it actually is a home field advantage, mm-hmm. and that people actually don't want to go to Colonial Life Arena is something I thought I'd, like, I'd never, that we might never say for the men's team. Yeah, and it just goes to show that Game Cock Nation is out there. They're ready to be, to come and support these guys, you know, as as much as we wish that everybody was like us and wanted to go watch the men's as much as they want to go watch the women's, we understand you want to go watch a winning team. You don't want to you don't want to go and watch and spend money and watch your favorite team get, you know, blown out by 30 if we're talking about the A&M or Tennessee game. But you know, it, it they're out there and I I you know, this is this is we just need to stick to uh, the women's team because they're their own. Yeah, they're their yeah, own yeah. topic. Yeah, and they deserve and it. They they absolutely do. It was so much fun to listen to. Unfortunately, I, I didn't get to watch it. I wish I did, but I was at work. But it was it's just so much fun to watch Colonial Life be so just alive for a sporting event involving South Carolina, and. And the play on the court too. I the like this was supposed to be, as I said a second ago, this was supposed to be their 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 competition. Like, and we saw them. We they, we saw them beat them. This is this wasn't a five point win uh, versus Connecticut. This wasn't a five point win versus Stanford. This was a a twenty four point blowout by the South Carolina Gamecocks against their their supposedly right like supposed to supposed to be competitor mm-hmm. and uh, this is this is great looks for coming into the sec tournament this is great looks for going into the the you know the national bracket and we i expect sadly and it's so much pressure to put on these these women but as someone who's been who's been keeping up and who's been looking at everything that they've been doing i expect nothing less but a championship yeah, absolutely. I expect nothing less almost to of a perfect season. Mm-hmm. Now, it's hard to predict a perfect season whenever, you know, you, you took Stanford into double overtime, whether that be at Stanford or not. Stanford's a talented team. Um, I can't remember. They, they've got this. Uh, they've got a very good player or, or center on Stanford. I can't remember her name. It's just uh, I'm blanking. But um, Is it Cameron Brink? Cameron Brink. Yeah, exactly. She's uh, she's very talented. She's right up there with Aaliyah Boston. Um, it's now that I'm thinking gonna... about it, I don't 
I'd be too nervous if they got undefeated going into the the tournament. Yeah. I would be way too nervous. That would that would freak me out way more than if they lost one, like some random fluke game against Tennessee or Georgia or maybe they play LSU again and actually no, that would I wouldn't like that. But I I wouldn't care if they ended up losing one of these games because it's just so hard to go undefeated yeah. and to to have like you're you're going into every game into the the March Madness that you're I mean they're gonna be favored anyways they're gonna be the one seed but you're expected to win you're expected to do this you're expected to do that so and I also want to see I mean they've been through adversity before this is the same team that we've seen for a while now or not the same team but and they've pieces been through, of the same team and they've been through adversity together that's yes. a big part of yes. it uh, do you think that Kentucky the Kentucky loss last year in the SEC tournament was a big factor in them? being motivated and getting to that uh, national championship and winning it? I think it was because they didn't get the SEC. I think it was big that they didn't get the SEC championship. And I think that adds to motivation. It adds to, uh, you know, it it just, it also, when you play in a, like if you're, if they're coming up, and this is not, I'm not saying this would just be my mindset, you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about their mindsets, but, you know, you're going, you're going up next Tuesday or today actually. Uh, sorry, I thought it said Tuesday, but today at 7 p.m. they play against Florida, and it's like you're going in. They're 11, they're 14 and 11, and you're 25 and 0. And I'm sure they're, you know, they just came off that big LSU win. They're, you know, maybe they're not as pumped up and rallied up for this game. But if if you go in and maybe that happens when you're playing in the March Madness tournament, maybe you're the one seed playing the 16 seed. You're like ah, like you know, we can cakewalk this one. Yeah. Or then it gets to all of a sudden it's the one seed versus the eighth seed and the four seed or whatever. And it's like when they lose that game in the SEC tournament, they realize there's we gotta we gotta play our hardest every time. And I think what really did it was the loss in the S- in the the national tournament um, two years ago against Stanford and. That that heartbreaker, I think, is what propelled them to win this last one, and what will propel them to do another one. Sorry, I just kind of took a big, big-winded uh, answer to that question. No, I like it. Um, I, I completely agree. I, it, it's the only reason why I think this team would be more prepared to go uh, undefeated and win the national championship and do it, you know, without any scares. Honestly, is. The fact that they like like we said just moments ago that this team has been through adversity, and the most important part is that they've been through it together. It's not Aaliyah Boston, you know, bringing in these new girls, and uh, you know they, they she has to be the leader whenever they're going in overtime with Stanford, whenever they're you know up by five with two minutes left against UConn, trying to trying to close that one out. It's it's so. It's honestly so much fun to watch these girls play because they they play with so much passion. They love. It, it seems like they love playing this, the game of basketball, and it, they're also selfless. That's my favorite part. Is that, I agree. And this is what we've been talk like we've been talking about the past couple of years with this team is that they they're not uh, they're not here for themselves. They're here to win national championships and mm-hmm. to build this program to even bigger and greater heights and. Than what it is before, and if it comes with Aaliyah Boston becoming, you know, the player of the player of the nation, and becomes the defensive player of the year or the the player of the year, so be it. But she'll drop fourteen in a must-win game against LSU, and she'll get nine rebounds, two assists, and she'll do everything she has to do. Let Camila uh, Carduso get eighteen. Let uh, Zaya Cook get seventeen, and just get the boards. Do what you got to do and play team basketball. Yeah, and uh, in in case you just missed what Brady was read and went off there, five players had double digit figures or double digit points. Sorry, and that's like a standard. That's yeah. like a standard for this team. There's never there's never that one. Uh, th- I mean, and if they need to, if if they need a big Aaliyah Boston performance, they're gonna get it. Uh, but if if they're all if they're firing all on all cylinders, that there's not gonna be. The guy who, or the girl, sorry, who goes for, goes for thirty. No one's trying to get forty. No one's trying to, you know, be the, get the best stats on the team. And I think that's something I hate bringing it back up because you said you're right. They deserve their own topic, but that's something the men's team can learn from. Mm-hmm. And 
not not to mention they shot fifty seven percent from uh, the field, which uh, you know is above average in my opinion. Whatever you're, t- and you know they get fourteen assists. They came out hot. They were they were prepared for this game. They and, had fourteen assists compared to LSU's five. Yeah, that just tells you something right there. And it's impressive to watch this team be so motiva- motivated whenever they're whenever they're undefeated, whenever their average margin of victory is thirty plus. It, it's so impressive from Dawn Staley that she's able to do that. And, and oh, I'm getting a phone call. But this is a game where. Uh, you are they they have bad shooting percentages on three. They have bad shooting percentages from the free throw, and it doesn't stop them from winning by twenty four. Yeah, I sorry, I was on the other side of the room. Um yeah. But uh you got any more thoughts on the women's team? I just I they got forty three rebounds. Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> that is and ten blocks. That's just two insane stats for me. Yeah, that's incredible. This this team is something special, and they're gonna go to new heights. Even though they went to the they went and won the national championship this year or last year, and I would expect, like you said, nothing less for us at the uh, beginning of April to be jumping in that fountain once again. Yeah, and when uh when I'm talking to my my mom, she's always like, oh like why you always go to the men's game? Why don't you go to the the women's games? And normally, like I. I, sh- I regret not going to the LSU one, uh, but normally, it's they're up, they're up thirty to eighteen in the yeah. first, or they're up thirty to five in the first quarter. So it's like at that point, it's it might as well why it's not even a ball game. So they're just they're literally too good, and they they've been like that for for many years now. And I'm excited to hopefully this is a, a staple point of South Carolina and something that we're known for. And if the uh, listeners hadn't picked up already, I think. Uh, you can see that me and Brady love to cheer for the underdog. Oh yeah, and that underdog is you know, sadly the men's team. team. Yeah, but uh, so we got one more team to talk about, right? Yeah, and uh, they they're kicking off their season tomorrow, right at four o'clock. Twenty four hours from today, right now. Oh yeah, it's uh, what if uh you hadn't or if you don't know, we're talking about the baseball team, and uh, it's it's just it's now that. Football season has officially come to an end. It's it's nice to have something else to focus on. It yeah, it's also nice to to not have to focus on the men's basketball <laughs> team so badly. Yeah, it, it derives our focus from something else. And they're ranked twenty three in the nation right now. They're going up against UMass Lowell, which I if I didn't know one girl who plays field hockey there, I wouldn't know they existed. Um, so that that's that, and hopefully they're taking care of business. I would hate for them to see them lose early. That would put a sour taste in my mouth. I, they're, yeah. they're ranked 23 right now. I want to see them climb up that ladder and, and keep going. Yeah, and there's a lot of recovery time. Um, you know, you're, you're going to drop. Uh, it wouldn't that, – that's the great thing about baseball is that you're going to drop games against, you know, teams that you, you, you absolutely would win 10 out of 10 times in other sports. Um, but that's just, it's just a great thing about baseball is that any given night, you know, you, you've got a good pitcher on the mound. Maybe one guy gets hot and goes four for four and every pitch is different and every ball bounces different. Yeah. And I'm excited. I mean, even coming up, I'm getting, I'm licking my lips, looking at the Clemson schedule, uh, having three games back to back to back on three different nights and three it, different stadiums. Yeah, oh, one yeah. in Clemson. Clemson Green. I didn't even see that. And so we have this. Damn, we have the Sunday one. That's lame. Yeah. But, uh, th- yeah. But anyways, that we're looking ahead. But I mean, then I just love the series too. How there's series and they're all back to back. Like you, you get a whole weekend of baseball. Yeah, and and it, it's just it's a fun part of the year. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really look forward to it. SEC baseball is on the rise. You got teams like LSU, uh, Tennessee. LSU's number one, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then Tennessee's not far behind. Um, that's only the top teams that I can think of right now. But I you've was, got historic uh, programs like Vanderbilt always right there, ready to go. And uh, what, what were you gonna say? I was. I'm looking. I'm, let me see if I can find it. Because uh, SEC posted their rankings for 
or not their rankings, but like the national rankings for uh, baseball. And let me see if I can find it. This is bad. I should have put it up earlier. But it was it was surprising to see the Gamecocks so low because I was like, we're ranked 23. What do you mean we're so low? And that is just because there's so many good teams in the SEC. Yeah, and like I said, it's just it's just great to have baseball back. I uh, I'm more of an MLB guy myself, but you know I'll keep up with the uh, with the Gamecocks. I mostly listen to them on the radio because they play so early a lot of the time. But uh, hoping to get to more games than we did these past couple years. Um, yeah, know, I definitely need to go to more games. It was fun the the past couple times we went. And I need to I need to start learning the players. I know I got a couple in my project management class, so I, I don't know who they are. But good luck to them, and good luck to all of them. But I, I want to go out there. I want to learn some names. And so when, when next time we talk about baseball on here, that we actually know who who's good, who we're talking about, and stuff like that. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to love the game of baseball to go enjoy a baseball game. No. You know, and if you go with a group of guys, uh, a couple friends, nice weather. Yeah, nice weather. You just go out there, enjoy the breeze, get some fresh air, get some get some sun on you. Not the smell of uh, freshly mowed grass. Mm, some hot dogs. Yep. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's gonna uh, Founders Park is just as nice as they left it last year. Um, Best stadium in the in the country. And it, yeah, it, it's a, it's beautiful. It's right there on campus. It's uh, it's right, it's right there next to the rivers. So you get a nice breeze. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, it's hard to, we'll, we'll we'll be able to get more into it once we see this team play. Yeah, I'm excited to see how they do because ranked 23 that could mean a whole lot of different things. But just the fact that we're ranked is uh, is something to look forward to and something that we hopefully see that number rise. Yep. But uh, you got anything else? I think that pretty much does it. There's been no football news. There's been no update on this Project Stadium. Have you yeah. heard any? No, that's uh, honestly, I, I honestly kind of wanted to avoid that subject because it's, <laughs> it's, it's so just up in the air. We don't even know what they're doing. All I've heard was just some key words was uh, modern renovations to Williams Bryce, and I didn't hear any renovations to CLA, but. They bought all this property, and it's it's there's so much. It's honestly too much for parking, and I'm just I'm very curious. It it's it seems like it's gonna be a project that honestly might not even get started until we're graduated. Yeah, but um, anyway. But yeah, I think that does it. I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Well, I've been I've enjoyed talking to you. Oh, and, as always. Yeah, and. For the Countdown Podcast, I'm Riley Hudson. I'm Brady Fitzgerald. That'll do it.